It's your Thursday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back for another day. Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune, who covers the Vikings, will join me here in just a little bit to talk about Brian Flores, defensive coordinator. Both Andrew and I were out at uh, at the facility in Egan on Wednesday. Flores had an availability, as did a whole bunch of other coaches. And it just kind of struck me kind of how much is being asked of him this season and how much he seems to be up for the task does not guarantee that this will be a improved defense from a year ago. It's a low bar to clear, but I guess if we're, if we're talking about improvement, I'm talking about pretty significant improvement where this is more of a middle-of-the-pack defense at least. And that's 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 the path I see for this team you know, staying staying a division contender. I just don't imagine they can do what they did last year, win all those, you know, one-score games and have the defense get those timely turnovers like they did last year. I just don't feel like that's a sustainable model. Brian Flores brought in to build the defense to a different level. Andrew and I will talk about how he is going about doing that here in just a few minutes. Got uh, Minnesota Aurora winning their opener on Wednesday after last year's tremendous debut. First, though, what did I miss? Let's talk twins at the jump. And fairness in uh, in trade act, um, I'm going to call it that right now, I make a lot of some of the bad trades that teams here have made over the years, including the twins. And I even wrote about one on Wednesday that wasn't even necessarily a bad trade, but one that is looking worse because of a breakout performance, that being the uh, Jorge Lopez trade last year with the Orioles, where the Twins traded four pitchers to Baltimore, including Yenier Cano, who was terrible for the Twins last year, terrible for Baltimore this year, but showed up in an ESPN headline Wednesday afternoon, maybe probably Wednesday morning, um, saying that maybe Cano is the best reliever in baseball right now, and the numbers certainly bear that out. He's given up one run in 25 and two-thirds innings this season. Um, No home runs, no walks, 10 hits, 28 strikeouts. And, like, nobody could have seen this coming. He didn't even start on the uh, Major League roster with the Orioles this season, but has now become one of their best relief pitchers and one of the best relievers in baseball on a team that has been one of the best stories in baseball. Now, Lopez has been good for the Twins, but it was unfortunate timing because of how he gave up the, the winning home run on on Tuesday. So so what you have here is a situation where the Twins have made some trades. There's going to be some second-guessing. You know, Luis Arias started off the year red hot. Pablo Lopez did too, but then he cooled off a little bit, so there's some grumbling there. Let's, though, shine a little bit more of a light on what the Twins were able to do to get Joe Ryan. You know, they traded Nelson Cruz in the 2021 season, the one that was going nowhere. They got Ryan from the Rays, and it's been nothing short of great since then. His debut came late in 2021, and he looked good from the beginning. Last year, 13-8 and with a 3.55 ERA. Only pitched 147 innings, but again, showed that he looked like he had a pretty bright future. This year, now, after pitching five innings of one-run ball, as the Twins finally snapped that skid, one yesterday against the Giants, Joe Ryan, now 7-1 and one with a 2.21 ERA. Ten games this year, 61 innings, so that's telling you that usually he's giving you a little bit more than six innings. Just 10 walks, 70 strikeouts. All the peripheral numbers look good. Not getting up, giving up a lot of base runners. 
not really being dinged too bad by the home runs, um, you know, getting more than that strikeout printing without giving up the walks. He's been excellent this year. Hard to imagine where their rotation would be right now without how solid and even how spectacular he has been. That was a trade that, you know, when you go through kind of a, a mini rebuild almost, or when you kind of give up on the core of what used to be your team, right? Um, you know, they traded Jose Barrios that same stretch, traded a couple other players, kind of remaking themselves on the fly. Now more of a team that is built around pitching than around home runs, at least when they win. Um, Joe Ryan, a huge part of that. Like I said, 7-1 and one ERA, just barely over 2. You really don't know quite what you're getting at that point, but the Twins obviously had identified something in Ryan, or they got tremendously lucky, one of the two, but I imagine he was close enough to the majors at that point that you would think that they had identified something in them that they thought this could be a guy who has a chance. And I, I feel like the, the conversation at the time was, here's a guy who has a chance to maybe be a middle-of-the-rotation pitcher someday. And he became that almost immediately and now is probably more than that. So a kudos for that deal. Twins 26-24 and 24 overall now this season. In first place in the terrible American League Central. They're still the only team above 500. But you know what? You can only play the games that are on your schedule. You can only do what you do. They've had a tough slate of games in this month of May. They've come through it okay, you know, with some struggles, but okay. You know, they, they've played competitively. They've done some things that at least make you think they can get this to the finish line. And Joe Ryan's a big piece of that. Just kind of circling back on that final thought before we get out of this twin segment. He is a big piece of that. He's been a stopper for them, shutting down losing streaks this year. Did it again on Wednesday. Gave them that kind of momentum going into this weekend series with Toronto. And so, no, just just got to take a break sometimes and say, you know what? As much as we like to criticize the trades that go go sideways, you do have to give the compliments to the trades that do go well. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's bring in Andrew Kramer right now, covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune. A little cross-promotion today on Daily Delivery and Access Vikings. Andrew and I uh, doing segments on both. Not unusual, Andrew is on uh, Daily Delivery quite a bit, especially during the regular season, breaking down film. And um, I'm on Access Vikings quite a bit. But we're doing both of those kind of today out at uh, out the facility in Egan. They've had you know quite a bit of media access out here this week, Andrew, for um, you know, OTAs and just kind of getting a chance to hear a lot of different voices, hearing from players, from coaches, and, um, and we're going to get to some of your observations on you know in some other in some other spots. But one thing I'm struck by right now is just kind of maybe taking a deeper dive on new defensive coordinator Brian Flores and some of the things he was saying on Wednesday and just kind of what's being asked of him right now because it seems like a lot it seems like he's up to the task based on his resume but this is a lot of faith to put in one person based on how bad the defense was last year and kind of where the roster sits right now and it's a lot of work too a lot of work that's being asked of him to 
take a very young roster, as you're talking about, six potential starters overturning on the depth chart, and a guy who's coming in with a co- half of a coaching staff that was already in place before. This isn't his hand-picked staff. Yeah. He had to come in and fit into what Mike Smith, Mike Pettin, some veteran coaches are doing and did do before, but bring new leadership, um, uh, new schematics, and a new vision for how they're going to use their pieces under the, the leadership with those assistants. So he's had to kind of fit in where he gets in a little bit while also uh, doing a little bit of the dichotomy of overhauling the scheme especially. So today we heard him talk a lot about how stripping down to the studs of uh, what these guys are learning in terms of just where to line up. So all of a sudden, Lewis seen as a safety who's lining up deep. He, he wasn't asked to do anything else last summer other than that, really, under Ed Donatel. Now he's lining up with the line of scrimmage. Now he might be blitzing off the edge. Um, Brian Flores talked about teaching each of these guys just the basic steps of where to line up in the gaps, in the footwork, in the hand placement, and starting from scratch because of his defenses and how they're going to move guys around. This is new to a lot of guys, and especially because they're young, and they're, a lot of them for Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth, Lewis Seen, their NFL experience was under Ed Donatel, which, as we'll talk about all summer, was very different from what we're <laughs> going to see from Brian Flores. So when you talk about what's being put on him, it, it's expectations to take a 13-win team and take its biggest weakness yes. and try to turn that on its head. He did not once say it's our time to shine on Wednesday, which I appreciated. But he did say, you know, a lot of things about how this is a competition and always will be. I want to run that soundbite right now. And every time we step on the practice field, um, you know, what is our identity? Um, what are people going to say about us? Um, not that we're worried about that, but, um, you know, what do we want it to look like? Um, and that's that's, you know, a lot of the, the conversation that's had in, in our meeting room and um, we'll continue to have it and, you know, try to continue to work to, um, you know, put that product on the field that we, we've we talked about making it look like. I think we're all trying to find out what, you know, guys do best and put them in good in positions to do what they do well. Um, it's hard to do that in this setting because so much of the game is physical. Um, so you're kind of forecasting based on what you've seen. Um, and yeah, that's part of it too. We have to forecast based on what we or the history. Um, but but um, you know, there's you know some some new guys who we haven't seen, um, and they need to get a fair shake as well. So, you know, a lot of the final decisions of what we're going to be are going to be made down the road. Uh, but right now, it's just you know, basic information, basic install, terminology, getting to know each other, you know, fundamentals, techniques, and you know, just just trying to string good days together. I mean. Listen, every coach will say that to a certain degree, especially this time of year. It's May. You know, they're getting to know these guys. There's a lot of new faces. But for this defense, it, it really is like on yeah. in the secondary, especially, and, you know, a little bit on the defensive line, even at linebackers. So all three levels. Um, I'm not So if we can't really single out any level. Like there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of things they need to sort out in these few months. Yeah, and a big thing is how is Brian going to, and his staff, going to evaluate these pieces and who's going to, I think Flores said this today, you know, the, the cliche of the cream rises to the top yeah. of those competitions. Well, the competitions are cornerback. Is is Andrew Booth, a second-round pick from last year, ready to start after just two games in the NFL last year due to injury? Better be. Is Lewis Seen, after <laughs> I mean, just yeah. three NFL games, ready to jump in and be a, a even a part-time role player for them um, when a lot of his NFL education is beginning seemingly from square one under Brian Flores? Um, 
who is going to shake out at those positions is going to be a massive, massive question mark because they keep signing to uh, low-level, undrafted edge rushers to try and fill that depth chart that keeps turning over. Is DJ Wanham going to fit what they want to do? Different players that you've seen around for a long time who are still here could shake out into different roles as you're talking about. And Brian has to figure all that out and evaluate that this summer. Uh, every coach has to do that when they take over a new spot. But this is a, a pretty big change in terms of not only the schematics, but the mentality that he's trying to bring to these practices um, and really how they operated as a whole on defense last year. It's a low bar for improvement based on last year because they were, they were especially in the second half of the year, they just were not good. They were not getting enough pass rush the secondary is getting routinely torched and it kind of culminated with finally it all catching up to him in that Giants game where you know we'd seen a lot of the raw numbers already they're giving up a lot of yards but you give up 31 points more than 400 yards again in the playoff game that ends their season after you know the all of those close wins where the defense played just well enough in certain spots got those stops got those turnovers but we kind of figured that wasn't sustainable um, is that too much to put on him like it feels like a lot to put on him when you're saying this was a 13 win team season 13 win team last season we saw what the glaring weakness was we know that they're probably not going to be able to win 11 one score games again this season so if there's going to be any sort of replication of last year it's got to come from that side of the ball is that too much to put on him to ask of him no, I don't think so. That's why he was hired. And, and Kevin O'Connell and Quasey, I can't remember which one of them said this, but one of them had mentioned his head coaching candidacy with Arizona and how you know, hopefully it works out well enough to where we lose him, essentially, yeah. that he will get hired somewhere else. The expectations are, I think, set of a, a former head coach who ran a very strong defense in Miami. That's not why he got let go. had to do with, apparently, relationships with ownership and the Ross family over there. But when you get that kind of expectation brought in, it's a lot easier for me in the media anyway to believe when they talk him up as opposed to Ed Donatel, who was talked up last year. And you heard us talk about mm. all the excitement around Ed Donatel and the Vic Fangio-style schemes, but that was still a guy who hadn't called plays in the NFL in 20 years. Yes, Brian Flores and probably never will. <laughs> well, Brian Flores was an NFL head coach two years ago. Yes. And he was calling defenses um, uh, for Miami and, and did very well in, in Pittsburgh last year as well. So he is going to and supposed to bring modernized, up-to-date defensive schemes to mm. this uh, plate in a way that the Vikings didn't have uh, on this proverbial dinner table. Now, based on that, I mean, like I did like a – when the schedule came out, it kind of like a – a very spur of the moment game by game. And I was like, ah, it kind of feels like a 10 and seven team. Maybe <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you just kind of go through, we knew all the games and it's kind of silly to go. Yep. But when you see, <laughs> when you see them in a row, somehow it does kind of matter. You, you kind of see like, ah, oh, man, they could, you know, maybe they could win three in a row here. Oh, this is a tough stretch. Like it does sometimes matter how the games are, are stacked up when you kind of look at them. And I was like, yeah, this kind of does feel like maybe a 10 and seven team does. Should we be optimistic? Maybe the wrong word, but like based on, based on Flores' pedigree and how he could turn this at least into a middle-of-the-pack defense, and then you look at the offense where really Jordan Addison and maybe Alexander Madison taking a bigger role are kind of the only differences right now in this offense, at least in 2023. Is is there a higher ceiling for this team than maybe I was going into this offseason thinking there was? Yeah, there is if, if ascensions take place the way that they need them to happen. Yeah. When I'm talking about player, gonna have the players. player development, yeah. It, Brian Osamoa needs to take that next step, be a full-time player and a difference maker uh, in a way that show, he showed flashes last year of doing. 
Um, you need a Caleb Evans and or Andrew Booth to be a starting durable corner in the NFL and somebody you can at least trust to be in the right spots. You need Harrison Smith, Josh Metellus, Lewis Seen, and Cam Bynum, that four safety group, to live up to the expectations that are actually pretty high in this building for those four. Um, you need those defensive backs secondary to coalesce. So the way you look at the roster now and you look at the results from last year and what those guys did, the expectations are pretty low. And I don't know what the Vegas over-under is on the Vikings for this year, but my guess is it's not incredibly high. Probably around nine, yeah. So it reflects what we're talking about. You're looking at those pieces, those commodities, the players, and saying, well, they didn't do a whole lot. All they changed was the coach. What's really going to happen? Well, it's going to have to be that intangible, behind-the-scenes development, the stuff that doesn't get seen, and that we're not going to see until week one, really, because this team probably won't put a lot out in the preseason. And you need to see those unknown guys or the guys that Vikings fans know Take those next steps, um, and it has to be under the tutelage of Flores, and Flores will get a ton of credit if you blink and we're in November and all of a sudden we're talking about some of these unknown young defenders as like actual NFL players. Yeah. He'll get a ton of credit for that. This could be quite a springboard for him, but it needs to change drastically from what we know of these guys from last year. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Asamo a little while ago because – they we, they brought out uh, inside linebacker coach Mike Saravo too in this and he was asked about Asamo and just kind of what he brings to the table that kind of does feel like again putting a lot on somebody but you know someone who's you know very young and didn't play a ton of you know defensive snaps last year played some but had a lot of special team snaps last year too like that's a lot to put on Asamo too but he, he's got the athletic ability to do that but can can they unlock that kind of gear for him cuz it it does kind of start that especially in this scheme yeah well and it's it's the consistency too right it's the thing you heard last year with him is Eric Kendricks talked about how this guy really surprised me of him coming in and um, having the physical part of it right away. He wasn't, nobody was faster than him on the field. He got it. But now in December, when he was starting to play more, Osimo had a three game stretch where he played at least 20 snaps. Kendrick said that's where we first saw that this kid was actually growing mentally and translating that stuff on the field. If he can continue to grow mentally and always be in the right spots, not get caught on the backside of a double team because you didn't read something properly before the snap, there's so many things that happen in the NFL that. And then how does he adapt to the new scheme? That, I mean, all these question marks that he, that young man needs to answer, and he's going to be put in a position this year to answer them because I don't know who else they start if no. it's not him. No, and, they, you know, a lot of this, a lot of what we talk about right now gets sorted out because somebody gets a small injury and then all of a sudden the depth is in question. Like what we're talking about right now is kind of concepts, and that's kind of where they're yeah. starting right now and installing a lot of this stuff from, from scratch. But that's, you know, it's a lot of what – coaching is i mean it sounds like flores has the right plan the right kind of base he's done it different places specifically you know miami when he did get that opportunity to to lead them but man it's just I, I keep coming back to the idea that man they are putting a lot of earned trust but a lot on his plate right now because the defense they the, the meaningful upgrades they've made and the, the players that have walked out the door who we at least were known commodities is the, the balance sheet is not uh, is not great. Well, we should be mindful, too, that in evaluating him that he didn't handpick or wasn't part of picking a lot of the guys he's having to coach no. right now, uh, including all that 2022 draft class, um, including I'm trying to think Harrison Phillips. Um, yeah, Osamoa as well, part of that class. So got free agents from last year, draft classes from last year. He doesn't have the you know, the, the guidance of or controlling necessarily the free agent process from two years ago. So he's only working with a little bit of his pre preferred guys that they got this year. 
Um, Byron Murphy, I'm sure, is one of them. Jawan Williams from the Patriots is another. Those two corners, I think, will probably play big roles uh, potentially this year. Um, so if this doesn't work out, there could easily be a way to say, well, Kwesi didn't draft the right corner. Kwesi didn't find the right safety in Lewis Seen. Um, so if it doesn't go right, it's not as if Brian Flores is the only one to blame. No, that's true. So, I mean, I guess maybe more he's set up more for success than failure, but it is – it is interesting, like just thinking about this season, like he's going to play an outsized role in in the success or failure, not only of this defense, but just in general, because it, it's just got to be better if they're going to be better. Like they can't, they're not going to be thirteen and four again with the way the defense played. The good news is, Mike, I think they can only go up from here. <laughs> we, on defense, yes, but record wise, like yes, you know, they, it, 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 they're they're kind of in this weird space, and we've talked about this before, but like by going thirteen and four in his first season. But doing it in the way that it not that it felt like, you know, not 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 that it felt entirely like a fluke, but that it was mm-hmm. like didn't feel sustainable to go thirteen and four every year the way they did last year. O'Connell's kind of in a strange spot too, where like they're probably not going to win thirteen games this season. So how do you kind of view year two for him? And so I guess his his decision to move on from you know someone like Donatella and hire someone like Flores was was pretty easy because he knew he needed to upgrade the defense. But a lot's kind of reputationally this is a pretty interesting year for him too because if they slide all the way back to seven or eight wins after a 13 win debut that takes a little bit of luster off him too yeah those narratives in the fickle obviously media as they cover the sport uh, (laughs) yes blowing with the wind whichever way it goes it's better than starting three and 13 like uh like Les Steckel and being a gone after a year but Mike Zimmer told the story of Bud Grant telling him once don't win too fast too soon yes and (laughs) and Zimmer didn't do that he went like seven and nine his first year he kind of like he kind of grew into uh, whatever level a level of success he had but uh, it'll be interesting to see how this defense comes along through OTAs, through minicamp, through training camp. I think Flores is obviously, you know, he's done it before. He's got the right kind of attitude. He's got the right, you know, emphasis on, you know, energy, the right emphasis on what's his, you know, aggressive but not reckless, kind of playing playing with an edge but up to a point where you're still going to be under control. You're not going to be kind of giving away those, you know, the big plays that you might if you're playing too out of control or too recklessly. But, Again, I guess the, the the final point to make is that a lot being put on his plate, and I just I don't know how that will turn out if the personnel isn't right. Yeah, and like I said, though, they're, they're 31st in yardage last year, 29th the year before that, and I think pretty similarly the year before that. This this has become a standard uh, that we haven't seen in over a decade in Minnesota of just bad defense. And Flores' floor uh, it is supposedly supposed to be a lot higher. They may not be top 10, top 15 this year even, but – improving at all uh, will be a step in the right direction, but that might result, as you said, in an eight and nine season or whatever. And if that does, what is the narrative around O'Connell and this roster that is so young that needs to grow? It's It'll be very intriguing. Are we going to like the way they play? I guarantee you. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you got me with that one. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Andrew. We'll talk to you again soon. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Andrew Kramer. And again, like I said at the beginning of that segment, he and I talked extensively for the Access Vikings podcast as well. Much different content over there. A lot of stuff on the offense, a lot of stuff on kind of what we're seeing at OTAs and more of uh, more on the Zadarius Smith trade as well. So those are not 
duplicates. They are designed to, you know, kind of be a little bit of a mashup, give you a reminder that if you like Access Vikings uh, but want other sports, um, come here because I'll do some Vikings occasionally, but of course all the other stuff. But if you like mostly Vikings, um, also please listen to the Access Vikings podcast because um, Andrew, Ben, Ben Gessling, um, I'm on there sometimes. We do a lot over there to bring you wall-to-wall coverage of the Vikings um, throughout the season. So go check that one out as well. Postscript to my conversation with Andrew, by the way, um, a lot of the coaches at the uh, who, who were on the podium on Wednesday really enjoyed listening to them. I really liked the Flores stuff. Hope you liked me playing some of that back. But I was impressed by both Keenan McCardell and uh, and Matt Daniels, McCardell, the wide receivers coach, Daniels, the uh, special teams coach. They were both asked extensively about the accelerator program that the NFL uh, just had earlier earlier this week, where um, where minority coaches in the NFL were given a chance to meet with owners, high level executives. They get did kind of this speed dating round where they had thirty minutes with with three different kind of sets of people, just to kind of get them in front of. Uh, get them in front of some people who might be influential in hiring head coaches down the road. Get those matches made early. And I thought that was an interesting program. I thought those interesting things they had to say about that. So go read Andrew's story about the Accelerator program, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Really thought that was interesting stuff. So, um, yeah, please go check that out. And um, really enjoyed, too, McCardell talking about Jordan Addison, wide receiver for the Vikings that was drafted um, in the first round just last month, um, McCardell, of course, his position coach, he had some good insights into what makes Addison so good already. So here is that from Keenan McCardell. You know, I felt good about the situation because, um, you know, he was our guy that we wanted. Jordan was, Jordan was our guy that we wanted, and he was right there in our lap. So um, but the fact that ownership, Kevin, Quasi and them decided to go ahead and make that decision to, to draft him, um, was great for me, but it was also great for this team. You know, we were replacing a, a guy that was unbelievable for this for this team, for this city. Uh, he's a home homebody, and I'm talking about Adam Thielen. Um, and to have a guy with Jordan's, uh, you know, skill set to be able to step in and and fill those shoes was, was something that was really good for us. He's a quiet, confident guy, and um, when you have a receiver that's that's confident and uh, as quiet of, as a demeanor of, that he has, you can't help but know that he's going to be successful. You know, I think uh, he's a guy that understands how to play the position, and it bodes well for us because we had a guy, you know, we let Adam go, and he's probably one of the most uh, unbelievable person that understand understood how to play the position and have a young guy that that's already started in that direction that understands that how to play the position, it means that his acceleration of being a, a playmaker for us it will, will happen a lot faster. Let's finish with the cooler. Minnesota Aurora, last year after starting 13-0-1 before losing in the championship match, uh, excellent debut, winning 5-0 at TCO Stadium in Egan over Rochester FC. Felt a little sheepish yesterday leaving Vikings access, knowing that the Aurora were going to be playing in just a few hours, but could not stick around for that one. But they had over 5,000 fans out at that game. Looks like they are well on their way to another successful year. So good uh, good start for sure, both, uh, both attendance-wise and in terms of the outcome, and more good things to come for Aurora. 
That'll do it for me today. Stick around tomorrow. Jeff Day from the Star Tribune should be joining me to talk about his excellent club volleyball story. That went online Thursday, just kind of about the whole world of club volleyball, the expense, the you know, the heartbreak, the, you know, the, the tears of joy, all that goes into a vast enterprise that may surprise you in its scope. So Jeff and I will talk about that on Friday's show. So hope you enjoyed that. Until then, have a great rest of your Thursday, and we'll see you again tomorrow.